Today is our feast day, of course, the feast of the Corpus Christi or the bread of life. And today, more than anything else, we need to focus about what we are about as a community, what we are about as a church, and what the bread of life, who he is. And so, hope you brought your Bibles today, because there's a lot of Bible turning I want you to go and grab with me with today. But what we're going to talk about today, Jesus in the Eucharist must first of all be adored. First of all be adored. He then must be eaten, and then we must allow him to transform us. So, there is adoration, there is a meal, and there's transformation. And that is what we need to be as a community, but we begin that in our own individual lives. The first thing we have to do is just focus on the second reading today. And the second reading today is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23. And so, first of all, get to know that Paul is quoting tradition here, you know, where the Catholic Church is based on two things, Scripture and tradition. What came first, the Bible or the church? church. The church, always and forever. So do we believe in sola scriptura? No. The Bible alone is not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the Bible alone. Always is tradition in the Scripture, and anything else you don't know history. So Paul himself quotes from tradition. He says in verse 23, I receive from the Lord what I handed on to you. What do we call that? Tradition. Namely, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he gave thanks, he said, This is my body. So he didn't say this is something to remind you of my body. He didn't say this is something like my body. He said, This is my body. Very clearly. Now, if you go back one chapter to verse chapter, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians and go to verse 16. Chapter 4, 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 16. And Paul, again, was very clear on this. He says, Is not the cup of blessing we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread we break a sharing in the body of Christ? So he's again talking very clearly that this is truly the body and blood of God. And to jump now and go back to the chapter 11. <laughs> I know I'm jumping. Chapter 11. And you go now down to 28. Verse 28. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 28. Let's go to 27. This means that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily sins against what? The body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, come on. You can't be any more clear than that. If it's just a symbol, how would I be sinning against God himself? Then, 28, a man should examine himself first. Only then should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Get this verse, verse 29. This should send shudders through us. He who eats and drinks without recognizing the body, without knowing that it is Almighty God. He who eats or drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks a judgment on himself. Whew. That is so clear in the Scriptures that the very first thing, again, the Scriptures, they dedicated themselves to what? The four things that the early church dedicated themselves to. 
was the teaching of the apostles, right? <laughs> the communal life, right? The breaking of the bread. Thank you, John. And prayers. The breaking of the bread, that the mask was the biggest thing that the early church dedicated themselves to. And if you go to the end of Luke, I ain't going to have you go to it now, but the end of Luke's gospel, the story of Emmaus, what was the very first thing Jesus Christ did after his resurrection when he was revealing himself to the apostles? He said mass. And they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. And what is our response to Jesus Christ in there? We go to John chapter 20. The resurrected Christ who was resurrected to Thomas, who is resurrected before us now in the Eucharist and in the Eucharist as we will give him to you. Chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas said in response, My Lord and my God. What you and I are called to do today is cry out with all our being, you are my Lord and my God, and I worship you, and I honor you, and I glorify you. You know, one of the things we do as a priest at the priest retreat <coughs> at Steubenville is almost every night of the conference we have adoration. And they take Jesus, they put him in the monstrance, and we just, here's 400, 500 priests on their knees, on their faces, worshiping Jesus Christ. But what we must do, first of all, as a community, is worship Jesus. Make sure he is Lord of our lives. And we fall on our faces and we say, Jesus Christ, I fully believe you are here. If we truly believe that this was Almighty God, that we are in the throne room of God at this moment, that all the angels and saints who are sitting there listening to me are just worshiping on their faces before Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, honoring him, we haven't a clue sometimes how honored we are to be in the presence of God. That today when you come up and you say the body of Christ, when I say the body of Christ and you say amen, you would say, I would stake my life. I would die for the reality that what you say is true. That I receive in my, whole, in my hands or on my lips or on my tongue the creator of the universe, the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity, the humanity of Almighty God. What more could any of us ever want? The creator of the universe humbles himself before you and me and gives us his own flesh. Now, why does he give us this flesh to be eaten? Let's go to John chapter 6. Now, again, if anybody ever <laughs> challenges us on our belief in the Eucharist, you just pull out sixth chapter of John. You do realize if what we do is wrong, then the first 1,500 years of the church, the church was in heresy. Because for the first 1,500 years, nobody ever questioned the real presence of Christ. Nobody. The church which is old as us, the Orthodox church, has the same belief as we do. So then we're all wrong, and if we're wrong, then everybody else is wrong. Because if we're wrong about the Eucharist, this Bible is nothing. Because the ones who said that this is truly the Word of God also said, this is truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you throw out one, you must throw out this, because this is nothing, if Christ isn't truly present. Because the same church that said He is present is the same church that said, this is the Word of God. 
So we've got to be very clear about what this reality is. Now in John 6, he makes it very clear. Go to John chapter 6, verse 51. John chapter 6, verse 51. I myself am the living bread come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, now get this, it doesn't say if anyone eats this bread, he's very clear. If anyone eats this bread, he shall live forever. For the bread I will give is my flesh. The word is sarx in Greek, S-A-R-X. It's a hunk of meat. Is my flesh for the life of the world. Verse 53. Thereupon Jesus said to them, because here they start fighting, how can this man give us his flesh in 52? So Jesus says, let me make this very clear to you in case you are wondering. Let me solemnly assure you, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you do not drink his blood, you will have no life within you. He who feeds on my flesh, it's gnawing on the flesh, he who feeds, it's very clear there in the Greek, and drinks my blood has life eternal, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Is there any questions? Can I make that any clearer to anybody? Can the Spirit of God who wrote this word make it any clearer? Now, these people were very clear, so let's go on to chapter 6. Verse 66. Six, six, six. The sign of the Antichrist, huh? From this time on, many of his disciples, these are followers of Jesus, from this time on, many of his disciples broke away and would not remain in his company any longer. Why did the early disciples leave Jesus Christ? Because of the teaching of the Eucharist. Very clear. 666. Very clear. <sighs> so think about the treasure that is given to us this day. And he promises us that we who eat this flesh and we who drink his blood are going to live forever. But what happens is we are called to be transformed now into the very body and blood of Christ. Today in the office of readings for priests or religious, we have to pray the office. And today St. Thomas Aquinas says, God became flesh so that flesh could become God. God became flesh so that our flesh could become as God. That we are transformed into God is called the divinization of man. That when humanity, when divinity took on humanity, when God became a man, divinity took on humanity, then humanity took on divinity and for all eternity now can never be separated. Can never be separated. Now look at that. Now let's go for a moment here about what that means at the end of Galatians. The very last chapter of Galatians here. Chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. May I never boast of anything but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not the resurrection of Christ. The cross of Christ. 
who with the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now again, remember in 1 Corinthians 11 where we just were, right before we've heard it today, every time you eat his bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the what? The death of the Lord until he comes. Now Paul is again taking the same theme and saying, may I never boast of anything except for the cross, the death of Jesus Christ. 15, it means nothing whether one is circumcised is not all that matters is one is created anew. So when we come to Jesus Christ, we are completely transformed. We are created and become a new person. Again, the same thing in Colossians. Go running to Colossians now. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and following. Chapter 3, verses 5 and following. Put to death whatever in your nature is rooted in earth fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil uh, desires, and that lust which is idolatry. These are sins that provoke God's wrath. Your own conduct was once of this sort when these sins were your very life. You must put that all aside now. All anger and quick temper, the malice, the insults, the foul language. Stop lying to another. Get this, verse 9. What you have done is put aside your old self with all its past deeds, and you have put on a new man, a new person. But when we receive Christ, we have put on a new person. We are transformed. Huh? Now again, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and following. And do not realize that the unholy will not fall heir to the kingdom of God. Do not deceive yourself, no fornicator, idolater, adulterer, no homosexual, pervert, sodomite, fife, thief, miser, or drunkard, no slanderer or robbers will inherit God's kingdom. And such were some of you. <laughs> but, and this is the biggest but in the Bible, huh? But you have been washed, consecrated, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. So what happens today is that each of us, when we receive the body and blood of Christ, that we adore him, that after we adore him and we recognize that he is God, and we surrender all that we are to him, and at the end of communion, I will put out Jesus in the monstrance and I will give us all an opportunity to dedicate or rededicate our lives to Christ. We adore him. We recognize that he is God. Then we consume him and we bring him into our being. And when we consume him, we are thus transformed into him. And we take on a new man. And we become a new creation. A creation that lives forever. And that we need to walk in the victory of the one we receive this day. And we need to completely die to ourselves so that he may live and move inside of me. That's the call. We as individuals, we as a community, and we as the church. That is the vocation of Christ for each of us if we will but surrender ourselves to him. May we be his presence to the world. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.